Hi, and welcome to the surgegroup.com podcast thing, as Barbara named it. Um, I'm JC. And I'm Barbara. And today we are talking about the diagnostic process for SIRS. So if you think SIRS might sound like it's something you have, how to actually go forth and be diagnosed. Perfect. Yeah, I'm excited to get into this because I feel like this is the big thing that people ask us quite often. Like, uh, I think I have it. What do I do? Like, oh, well, here's all the things. Um so the first, the first thing is, of course, the symptom clusters. That's what I usually send to people if they DM me. Um, uh, JC made a beautiful, handy infographic, which I find much easier to read than like the official shoemaker one. Um, but it is 37 symptoms arranged in 13 clusters. And you need just one within each of those clusters to have that cluster and you need nine out of the 13 to probably have SIRS. I think it's eight of the 13. Is it eight? I always it, say eight or nine. And now I know. So it's eight. Let's go with eight. So I think the more you have, the more likely it is you have SIRS. Sure. So even if you have like six or seven of the symptom clusters and you like, it still feels like a correct thing for you. You've looked down different rabbit holes trying to figure it out. It, like at that point, it might be still worth doing the blood work. And it could just be like a terminology issue for you that you don't like you don't relate to the symptom as it's labeled. Um, so I would encourage you like eight of 13 is the like clinical standard. But if you have seven, I feel like I feel like you're almost there. Yeah, no, that's a very, very good point. I completely agree with that. I think that that's why when when people tell me their symptoms and they might have like three that are like major for them and they're they're significant they're they're it's hurting their day-to-day -day life and they all fit within SIRS but again it's only three symptoms they're telling me I am like okay well look at this infograph like look at the rest of these possibilities because you may be suffering with these other things that don't seem as big in contrast to these major three that are hurting you. Um, cause I, I mean, I think we both experienced that as we healed, as we were actually going through the protocol, other symptoms came up and it's not like they weren't there before. We just didn't notice them because the bad ones were so bad. Right. Right. I think everyone has like their SIRS archetype symptom, like SIRS manifests in a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. For me, it was so much pain just like physical body pain, joint pain, but for you, it was GI issues. And so when we're talking about SIRS, it really is so multi-system, multi-symptom. It's hard to be, look at someone and be like, that one symptom is SIRS. And that's why the symptom clusters are super helpful because it can help you identify SIRS. Even if you have three main symptoms, you know, there are things we normalize. Like I would say um, a really big hallmark SIRS symptom is getting up at 4 a.m. to pee. And a lot of people really normalize that. But if if you're getting up every night at 4 a.m. to pee, that's frequent ner uh, frequent urination. That's a symptom cluster. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And and so if you if you have all of those, or if you have eight of the thirteen, or or somewhere near there, whatever you've determined, eight ish. Um, yeah, eight ish. The next thing to do is to take the uh, VCS test or vision contrast sensitivity test, which is a free test if you don't do the questionnaire attached to it. And if you do 
the questionnaire, it's $15. And we are not affiliated with that test. We don't make money if you take the test. Um, but that is a, an online test that you can do from the comfort of your own home uh, whenever you want. So that's, yeah. a, that's a good thing. VCSTest.com. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason the VCS test is relevant to a serious diagnosis is twofold. One, biotoxins, which is what causes SERS, um, biotoxins directly impact your nerve function. And the secondary impact, the reason the VCS test works, is because you have inflammation clogging up the tiny capillaries in the back of your eye. So you lose the ability to see blurred lines. So this visual contrast sensitivity test is essentially testing your ability to see blurred lines. Right. And I should say that we have seen in the group and also um, Judy Cho and the people that she has tested for SIRS, we've seen some people have SIRS that do pass the vision test. So just because you pass it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have SIRS. Um, however, if you fail the vision test, it's pretty likely you do. Like that, that's, that's the, um, you were explaining JC before we started recording the specificity versus Yes. So it's high specificity, low, nope. High sensitivity, low specificity. I can't even say it. I shouldn't talk about this. Um, (laughs) But what that means is if you fail it, you very likely have SIRS, but there's a certain percentage of the population that will pass it that still do have SIRS. So if you fail it, it's like definitely go forth with the blood work. But if you pass it and you have eight of the 13 symptom clusters, you should still get the blood work. Yep. Yeah. And that is generally even what I think I've read in the shoemaker text, like even like at the top, they all, they say that as well. So I guess this is a more common, more common problem than I think I was aware of when I first took the test. I thought that test was like accurate as heck. And like, I could just rely on it, but I, I definitely, I recommend it with that caveat now when people ask me about it, uh, knowing, knowing all of that. Um, so you mentioned blood work. Blood work is the next, the next process, and the blood work is expensive. There's no way around that, unfortunately. The, the there's one thing that will be tested that's genetic, and you will never need to test that again. And that is the most expensive part of the test. So at least you know you do that once, and you verify that you have um, one of the haplotypes that makes you susceptible to SIRS. So. Uh, that at least you won't need to retest as you go through treatment. But as you do go through treatment, you end up getting retested on a lot of the other levels as you as you go to see how you're doing. Um, but yeah, did you yeah. have anything to add about that? Yeah, I would say a cheat code kind of like through this SERS process, it's the treatment protocol takes a long time and it is expensive. But there are things you can do to like get the most bang for your buck. And I have to say that one of the things I really am grateful that I did was I got my blood work through Nutrition with Judy. And the reason I'm grateful I did that was because not only did I get my blood work results back and interpreted for me, but she also provided me a crap ton. That's the like actual unit of measurement of additional resources and information. So she gave me like a provider recommended provider list and supportive protocol. And I think that was so worth it to me in my SIRS beginnings to just like have that level of support behind me. Um, 
So while the blood work is expensive, you can make it a little bit more valuable by going through someone like Nutrition with Judy or a nutritionist, or even if you start stepping into working with a SERS provider, that way they can give you the background support as well. Yes. Really, I want to hammer that home as well, because I know uh, my SERS practitioner, he'll look at my blood work. Like now that I'm on, you know, through the treatment and all that, he'll look at my blood work and he'll basically point out anything that's out of range. And that's about it. And we're like, oh, that's out of range. Maybe we'll test that again next month or or whatever. And that's the extent of our discussion on it. And I could probably press him to get more information. But Judy gives that freely. Like Judy will, t- it's not just, oh, this is out of range. No, no. <laughs> it's like a full, at least a paragraph, if not like graphs and all kinds of other stuff explaining each and every blood marker that you tested and what it means that you're low or high or or what it means when it's healthy versus when it's not. Like, I mean, she really goes into it almost to the point of overwhelm. But again, that's why we started the SERS group uh, so that we could all kind of like talk about it and help each other understand all of this information that we're getting as we're getting tested. So um, so yeah, that's just want to yeah reiterate. I also very much recommend getting tested through Nutrition with Judy. Uh, .com is her website. <laughs> so you had talked about the genetic markers for the haplotypes that kind of tell you which biotoxins you're sensitive to. And the other half of the blood work is really looking at the downstream impact that SIRS had on you. And it's not going to be those typical inflammatory markers that you might be used to. It's not stuff like rheumatoid factor or CRP. It's very specific data points, which for me was really reassuring because I knew that there were like clinical standards through the protocol that we could objectively see that blood work was getting better. And it's stuff like TGF beta one, MMP nine, VEGF, like these are really specific data points. Yes. And be ready for your lab to either, or your phlebotomist, I guess, to be very confused by some of the tests. Maybe they've never seen them before. Oh, wait, you can't do it here. We have to order this. You have to go to a different location, all that kind of fun stuff. So if you want to save yourself a trip uh, before you go get the blood work, you may actually want to call and double check that they have whatever it is they need at that particular location that you plan to get your blood work done at. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I think that that about covers the diagnostic part. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add? I think, um, to be diagnosed, like very specifically, you have to have eight of the 13 symptom clusters. Um, most providers will have you try to identify your exposure event. So once you figure out what your genetic haplotypes are and what your biotoxins you're sensitive to, like, it has to make sense that you were exposed to, mold or you were exposed to Lyme. Um, And then you have to have a certain amount of those inflammatory blood markers have to be out of range in order for you to be diagnosed with SIRS. Um, So that's how you get diagnosed. At the point you do the blood work, if you work through someone like Nutrition with Judy, um, at that point you would be handed off to a SIRS practitioner and officially diagnosed and then treated. Perfect. Yep. Um, I think that covers it. So Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this was uh, helpful for you to figure out what the next step is if you are um, suspecting that SIRS, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, might be the thing that's causing 
uh, some issues for you. So uh, as always, for more information and group support and all that fun stuff and uh, access to us and also to be able to make requests on what we cover on the podcast, join us at thesersgroup.com. We'll, we'll see, see you there. over there.